Welcome to the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Thanks for stopping by. This is the place to explore mysteries, investigate the otherworldly, and share stories of the inexplicable and the strange. You see, within the realm of our daily, ordinary lives, there is a paranormal factor always waiting to reveal itself. So let's begin exploring together the truly weird. Welcome listeners and thanks for joining me on the Paranormal Factor podcast. This is our second week of shorter installments of the show. Why you ask? Because everyone needs a vacation including yours truly. So I've taken a few weeks off but don't worry I still have this episode for you and our weekly quiz and we'll be back to full episodes next week. In this outing I'm introducing you to the very eerie corpse walkers from China said to be able to animate corpses and literally walk them to another location. These cadaver controllers have some of the weirdest and creepiest abilities we've ever covered on the show. And the Facebook page will keep churning out awesome paranormal content Monday through Friday. So be sure to stop by and dive into all of that supernatural content. Now, on to our episode. American writer Louise Hung shared an eerie tale of her own grandfather and the walking corpses of China. Thirteen hours before the arrival of a procession of the dead, a runner had come to his remote village in China warning the people of their approach. The villagers finished up their business, gathered their children, and closed up their houses. Her grandfather and his brother sat in their home eager for any sign that the procession was near. They finally heard the rhythmic beat of a gong closing in on the village. Before long, another sound could be heard, the shuffling of feet. Dozens of feet pounding and stirring the dirt. The sounds of the gong and the feet filled the village streets. Creeping out from their hiding spot, her grandfather and his brother inched over to the window and peeked out. They saw a line of corpses lurching, hopping, swaying through the streets to the beat of the gong being played by a priest. They saw white cloths covering the heads of the dead, faces positioned up and forward, supposedly looking toward their final resting place. They saw Taoist priests herding the dead, keeping them in line. One brought up the rear, a couple flanked either side of the line. One was the leader of the procession and one walked ahead beating the gong. As the dead passed through, Louise's grandfather and his brother, while curious, made sure to avoid staring directly at the corpses. It was said that if the living looked too hard at the dead in such a procession, the corpse might latch onto that person and try to steal their energy, or chi. Her grandfather told of a girl who did not heed this warning and stared too long at a passing corpse. The corpse became enamored with her, tried to make her his ghost bride, dragging himself toward her, reaching for her. The priest had to surround the corpse and say prayers over him before he would leave the girl and get back in line. So the story goes anyway. It seems that every village had a similar tale. Eventually the dead passed through her grandfather's village with all living souls staying safe and sound. Life in the village returned to normal and nobody spoke much of that night when the dead walked. For almost as long as there have been dead people in China, it's been believed that a person's journey does not end in death. When a person dies, they must return to the soil from where they originally came. 
It didn't matter if a person died 10 miles or 10,000 miles from their birth dirt. Their body had to get back there. If a person was not properly buried in their home soil, family and friends risked having an angry, roaming spirit to contend with. But getting a corpse back home wasn't always easy. Transport by train or car could be very expensive. So obviously the best option was to have the corpse carry itself home. This could be accomplished in two general ways, either by herding a corpse or walking a corpse. The first practice of herding or driving a bunch of corpses involved assembling a number of corpses that needed to be delivered to a specific village or region. Taoist priests would begin by praying and chanting over the dead so as to possess them into walking. Another way to move the dead would be via a corpse walker. Corpse walkers were people whose job it was to literally walk dead bodies home. While it's hard to find official records of professional corpse walkers, this enterprise has been a part of Chinese culture for hundreds of years. As recently as the mid-20th century, there were reports of corpse walkers in China. Like the herding of corpses, the details of corpse walking hide partly behind superstition and partly behind mystery. When a corpse had to return home, a corpse walker was charged with magically reanimating the corpse and guiding it to its grave. People tell of seeing a corpse dressed in a long black robe, obediently trudging behind a corpse walker. The corpse walker carried a white paper lantern and a basket of fake money that he intermittently showered upon the ground ahead of the corpse. This was to bribe the deceased's way into the next life, known as buying your way into the other world. As the corpse walker marched onward, he would chant, mixing in directions for the corpse following him. The corpse itself loomed large, its head covered, its face beneath a mask. Everywhere the corpse walker went, the corpse would follow him. And when a corpse had to return home, a corpse walker was charged with magically reanimating the corpse and guiding it to its grave. Sometimes a person might die where it was difficult to physically retrieve their corpse. In such a case, a priest would place part of his own spirit into the empty cadaver shell and walk the corpse to a retrievable location. They would then finish by bringing their spirit fragment back into their own body. Corpse walkers and corpse herding priests actually provided a valuable service. They let the living put what felt like a safe distance between themselves and the dead. Concealed beneath a warm cloak of superstition, the corpse walkers and corpse herders allowed people to focus on the mourning or spiritual aspects of death instead of the cold reality of corpse transportation. Well, next week on the show, we'll be traveling to the Ozarks to meet the infamous Ozark Howler. The Ozark Howler, also known as the Ozark Black Howler, is a legendary creature that is purported to live in remote areas in Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas. It is typically described as being bear-sized with a thick body, stocky legs, black shaggy hair, glowing red eyes, and prominent horns. And its cry is often described as being a combination of a wolf's howl, an elk's bugle, and the laugh of a hyena. So please join us as we meet up with the Ozark Howler next time on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. And now it's time for the episode quiz. Welcome to the quiz, everybody. Here's your question. What kind of creature is the Sykesville monster 
Is it A, a dogman, B, a Bigfoot, C, a lizard man, or D, the Rougarou? Once again, what kind of creature is the Sykesville monster? Is it a dogman, a Bigfoot, a lizard man, or a Rougarou? And the answer is... B. Bigfoot. The Sykesville monster, a Sasquatch-like creature, terrorized the town of Sykesville, Maryland for over a decade. It's described as a 7 to 8 foot tall, hairy humanoid. It's dark brown in color and by all accounts looks like a Bigfoot. Casts of the monster's footprints were taken which were 13 inches long and 7 inches wide. Sightings of the Sykesville monster began in 1972. It was sighted by a truck driver who observed it sitting down before it got up and ran into the woods. In 1981, a man named Lon Strickler was fishing in the Patapsco River when he noticed a stray dog barking at a large clump of brush. Suddenly, a huge hairy man-like creature emerged from the brush, causing the dog to attack. The creature fought back the dog, which then ran away. After witnessing this, Strickler drove to a phone and called the police. While he was initially told to stay at the scene and wait, once police officers arrived, he was told to leave. He returned to the location hours later, noticing that the scene was now taped off and several state and federal vehicles were in the area. Well, Strickler tried to get answers from state officials for several days, but without success. He also contacted several news stations about the incident, who were at first interested, but later did not want to talk to him. This case is really interesting for two reasons. Of course, there is the monster itself and the sightings people reported, but there is also a mystery element that seems to suggest a cover-up by authorities. We run into conspiracy theories all the time with UFO cases, but it's rare to run across such a perception when talking about Bigfoot or other creatures. So I think this one is intriguing enough that we'll cover it later this season on the Paranormal Factor podcast. Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco, courtesy of Upbeat Music. Hey, before you leave... If you could, please do me just two favors. First of all, if you did enjoy the show, please leave a like on your favorite listening application. And secondly, if you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Love to have some new listeners out there to join you. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Keep your eyes open for the unusual folks, and thanks for stopping by. <laughs>